Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning. Buenos dias. Greetings to our live stream and podcast family. Some extra special greetings. I see some really special people in the house today. It's almost like it was on purpose that... uh, Lots of you came on the same day. Uh, so good to see Ashley. It's been a while to see Ashley. Some of you are like, who's Ashley? Ashley, stand up. Stand up. Ashley came with our original team to plant the church back in 2014. <laughs> it's good to see Pastor Rebecca's parents, Ron and Paula Pelzo, with us. You can wave at them. Pastor Caleb's mom, Mary Jo. <laughs> And my mom and her lifelong friend since first grade, my mom Natalie and her friend Tammy. We got any other special parents here today that I missed? Well, I'm glad to see all of you here today. It's a joy to share God's word with you again. And as usual, you can follow along the outline of the message through your Bible app. Just find Encounter Church in the events on your Bible app, or if you'd prefer a printed outline, you could grab one from the box there in the back. You know, we have officially entered the final stretch of 2023, and we continue to learn all through the Bible about Christology. And I just want to take a second and see, before we get it on the screen, can anybody tell me our 2023 theme memory verse? Can you tell me? Can you tell me? Volunteers or victims? I don't know why everybody's shouting, Ansley. It's Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. She got it. <laughs> All right. ¿Quién puede decirlo en español? A ver, a ver, mi suegro. Yo soy el Alpha y el Omega, el principio y el fin. Nadie viene al Padre si no es por mí. También. ¿Dónde, ¿Dónde se encuentra? Apocalipsis 1.10. 8. He gets points for trying. Let's give him a hand. Come on, let's do it all together. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Revelation 1.8, y en español, yo soy el alfa y la omega, el principio y el fin, Apocalipsis 1.8. And because Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end, this year we've been reading through the Bible all together. And as we read through the Bible, we are finding Jesus. Este año estamos... Very good, because he's the beginning and the end, right? He is the reason why, the whole reason for the Bible is to find, to know Jesus Christ. Question for you this morning. Have you ever stood or been at a state border or even an international border and straddled the line? Anybody ever done that? Up around Clingman's Dome in the Smoky Mountains, that's the, the, the border between North Carolina and Tennessee. And you can literally be like, I'm in Tennessee. I'm in North Carolina. I'm back in Tennessee. Now I'm in both, right? Uh, I lived for about 15 years near the, the U.S.-Mexico border. And uh, one thing, especially in the beginning, because it was, you know, a cool concept, is we would drive over the bridge. And at a certain point in the bridge, half your car is in the United States, and half your car is in Mexico, so it was like being in two, two worlds at the same time. Am I the only weird one that ever did anything? Has anybody ever done that? You ever straddled a border? You should try it. It's fun. Okay. Um, two worlds connected, right? Two places at one time, and I'm going to just go ahead and give you a little spoiler alert today. Today's message is brought to you by a degree in biblical theology, okay? So today, today's message is going to be a little more uh, more than a, a preaching, I'm going to give you uh, sort of an overview, a theological overview of a lot of what the whole Bible is all about. But I want you to not be overwhelmed. All right, I'm glad that Justin's happy. All right. Um, I want to encourage you not to be overwhelmed with it because, you know, some people get overwhelmed when they start looking into, into theology. But the reality is 
real truth is very plain and simple. Now, theology is very complex because we'll never get to the bottom of the infinite God, right? But, but to understand, to know and to understand truth is not meant to be something difficult. It's not meant to be something complicated. Real truth is simple. And, uh, you know, what I'm going to talk about today, we've learned already quite a lot about this concept this year. But today I'm just going to sort of add uh, another brick. So I want you with me together. Let's say those three words. The title of today's message is Important Together Connected. Let's do that again. Important Together Connected. Human history begins in the Garden of Eden, right? Where heaven and earth were perfectly connected. Heaven and earth. We know that the Bible says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the the earth. And it's so important to understand what that means in biblical terms. You know, I think, unfortunately, we have uh, created through centuries this strange idea about heaven and earth, that heaven is, I mean, that earth is obviously right here where we are, right? I think most of us in the room are from earth. But um, but, you know, the idea of heaven is that it's some faraway place that we go when we die, right? Well, that is not what heaven means at all, okay? When you read the word heaven, it's, the, the better word is heavens, okay? And the heavens literally are the air that surrounds us, okay? Heaven is as close as the air that you breathe. And then the Bible talks about God God's throne being the heavens. He says all the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool, right? And so a a better way to describe heaven would be God's realm, okay? God's realm, the realm of God. Earth is our realm and heaven or the heavens is God's realm. And we know that in the Garden of Eden, earth and heaven We're perfectly connected because you see God coming literally, remember, in the cool of the day, and he would walk and talk with Adam and Eve, right, with the first humans because there was no disconnect yet. Heaven and earth, God's realm and our realm, God's realm and human realm was perfectly connected in the Garden of Eden. You know, just like like with borders, I think about a border uh, a state border or an international border, but a very spe- especially a state border, um, there's really no separation, right? It's, it's, there's really no difference when you are driving up 75 and you cross out of Georgia into Tennessee. There really isn't much of a different, not, uh, difference, not much changes, but there is a, a line, right, that there's a distinction between the two states. And, you know, some of the laws are a little different in different places where you go. But there's really not, you don't, you wouldn't really notice much of a difference when you pass uh, from state to state. In some places, like, uh, like the European Union, you know, you could be on a train in Spain. <laughs> that rhymed. All right. A train in Spain, and you can go right into France and not even know it. Why? Because the border is open. But there is a border. Okay? There is a border. There's a border between the two nations. You, there's just really not that much a difference. Now, pass from Spain on your train to France in your pants. And there will be different laws. There's a different language. There's uh, differences in culture, right? But it's really one world just sort of connected by the distinction of borders. And when we look at the picture that the Bible paints of the heavens and the earth, it's not two worlds, God created the cosmos. He created the universe. He created everything that can be seen and everything that is also unseen, right? And so it's not two worlds. It's not like we have a world and God has a world and we live here and he lives somewhere far out there, you know, out in the universe. In fact, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time at the same time, right? He's in the future. He's in the past. He's in the present He is everywhere you go. He's in the very air you breathe. The Bible says that when God gave life to humans, that he breathed his breath, the breath of life, right? And so God's realm and our realm are way more intricately connected than most of the time we may realize. And so it's so important when you think of heaven 
and earth, you don't think of two places that are far from each other, but two realms that are connected intricately, right? So we know um, that God created the heavens and the earth, and then in the Garden of Eden, there was that perfect connection. But we know that that perfect original connection was broken by sin. By sin, right? And it's not that God went away or that he went far. It's that the connection was broken. We were made for connection with him, for intimate connection with God. But sin broke that perfect connection that existed between God's realm and ours. You could say, you know, sin brought the, the border wall. And no, I'm not getting political on you. But there is now a, a, a separation. There's a, there's a barrier uh, between God's realm and our realm because of sin. And from Genesis... All the way through Revelation, the entire Bible story, the story of history, is all about God restoring that connection that was lost between heaven and earth, between him and us, between his realm and our realm. Some people call it the spirit realm and the natural realm, right? That's fine if you want to call it that way. Biblical words would be heavens and earth, spiritual and natural. The whole Bible is about God reconnecting heaven and earth. Let me give you sort of a synopsis. We can see this through the incarnation of Jesus, right? How was that? God himself came from the heavens, took on skin and bones and flesh, right? The word of God became flesh and human and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory okay Jesus Christ himself is the perfect and visible connection of heaven and earth God's realm in our realm we know that that happened through Jesus coming but we also know that heaven and earth was reconnected through the cross through the crucifixion why why is that because the barrier the border the disconnect the the, that thing that separated us from God, from heaven, right? When he went to the cross, he took the penalty. He paid the penalty for that disconnection. He paid the penalty for sin. And then he rose from the dead, right? He resurrected with a new body that for some reason they had a hard time recognizing for a little while. Why? Because it was a heavenly body, right? There was that, the resurrected Jesus is, a, again, is a picture of what heaven and earth perfectly connected look like. Remember, they, 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 he told them, don't, don't think I'm a ghost, right? You can touch me. I'm, I'm right here. I'm, I'm, I'm still physical, but I'm also heavenly, right? It was a perfect connection between heaven and earth, and we know, we know that that the Bible calls Jesus the first or the beginning of new creation. Original creation, heaven and earth, perfectly connected in the Garden of Eden. That perfect connection was broken because of sin. Jesus came. He was incarnate. He, was, he came as a man, God in the flesh. He connected heaven and earth. He died. He tore down the border, the wall, the separation, right? And then he resurrected, and now, literally, there's a perfect physical, spiritual, connected body that is the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Then, he ascended to heaven, right? Back to the Father. He says, I came from the Father. I'm going to go back to the Father. And it's better if I go back to the Father, because when I do, I'm going to send my spirit... To be where? In us. The connection between heaven and earth now by the Holy Spirit. And we know that the final perfect reconnection of heaven and earth is going to be when Jesus Christ returns, right? 
We know that now he does reign as king of kings and lord of lords, but he will reappear. He will return as king, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord, right? And every dead body is going to rise from the grave, right? And we'll face the final judgment, and there will be a new heavens and a new earth, right? This is the promise of new creation through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So we, we see that perfect eventual recreation, reconnection, new heavens, new earth through Jesus' return. Now, through history, humans, well, we have tried to reconnect heaven and earth, right? Now, one of the first examples, you know, I can think of is the Tower of Babel. What did they say in their own, by their own will, their own intentions, their own abilities, right? We're going we're gonna to erect a, 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 a tower that goes all the way from the earth all the way. Up into the heavens, right? Okay? It was this futile attempt to try to reconnect heaven and earth. And then, you know, that's just one of the first examples. But we know that from Babel, then came Babylon, right? Which, I know this is kind of a big concept, but it's simple. Babylon, throughout the Bible, just means the world, the world system. And what has the world done? We've tried by every way, shape, and form to reconnect heaven and earth, right? That's why we have idols and religion, right? It's this attempt of humans to try to reconnect the heavens and the earth, but it it really hasn't worked out so well, right? (laughs) That connection doesn't work because of our sinful condition. So, God sovereignly directs all of history to reconnect heaven and earth through the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? If you read through the Old Testament, God foreshadows this reconnection many, many times and in many, many ways so that we could identify and recognize Jesus when he came, right? And that's been the, kind of the whole point of this year. We've been reading through the Old Testament, finding Jesus, right? But let me give you a few pictures of the reconnect, okay? The connection that was lost in the Garden of Eden. God foreshadows what finally Jesus was going to come and do and perfectly reconnect. God foreshadows it many times. One of them is Jacob's ladder. We had a whole Sunday about Jacob's ladder, right? But Jacob dreamed and he saw a ladder that connected earth to heaven and angels ascended and descended and the Son of Man, Jesus, was right in the heavens speaking. Jacob's ladder. Um, another one would obviously be the Ark of the Covenant, where God would literally, physically, tangibly come and manifest his presence and his audible voice above the Ark, right? Above the Ark. Uh, we have the, the, when they were in the, the, the Israelites were in the wilderness, we have the tabernacle, which was like a big tent where they worshipped, basically. And what would happen, do you guys remember what would happen at certain times when they would set up the tabernacle? What would happen to the tabernacle? God's presence in the form of a cloud would literally descend on the tabernacle. They could see the presence of God. It was this connection point between heaven and earth, right? And, and, and in Hebrew and in Jewish mindset, literally they believed that the tabernacle was the connection point between heaven and earth, because God manifested his presence there. And uh, in, in with the tabernacle was the cloud and the fire, right? That was God's manifest presence leading them. And, you know, there, there are more, but these were all literally places where heaven and earth sort of overlapped. Where heaven and earth overlap. And that leads us today to the temple. So last Sunday, if you were here, we learned about King David, right? We learned about King David. We talked about Goliath and all that fun stuff. But today we're going to take a look at King David's son. Anybody remember his name? Solomon, right? Now, next in line, you know, it was King Saul, King David, then King Solomon. And Solomon was, he was just perfect, right? Man, if David was fallible, keep reading. (laughs) 
Solomon was incredibly fallible, right? But God used Solomon to build a foreshadowing of what eventually Christ and the church would be. To build a point of reconnection between heaven and earth, right? Called the temple. The temple, as the tabernacle had been a set it up, tear it down, move all around, tent place of worship, the temple was going to be a fixed, permanent place of worship. And uh, just like the ark and the tabernacle, tabernacle connected heaven and earth, so did the temple. Now, if you want, obviously we don't have time to read. It's, a, it's quite a long story, but I want you to mark it in your Bible or jot it down. It's in your outline already anyway. But this all kind of happens from 1 Chronicles 28 through 2 Chronicles 6, 7, okay? The story of how the temple became the official connection point of heaven uh, and, and earth in the time of King Solomon. So let me just sort of skim through it real quick. Again, you can jot, jot this down and, and read it again later. You already read it through your, uh, through your Bible plan. But we know that originally, who had wanted to build God a temple? King David. He, he was a man after God's heart. He loved God. He loved to worship God. Not more than just make sacrifices to God, he loved to sing to God. He poured his heart out to God. Most of the Psalms, right, are written by David. And David wanted, he wanted to make a place for God on earth, right? It was his heart's desire. And what did God tell him? Not you. Why? You killed too many people. You're a man of war. And what this speaks of, and this is, this is another big concept, but God loves to manifest his presence, to build the place of his presence on peace, not a war, right? And so, so God told David, no, not you, but I'll let you give your son the plan. And he, Solomon, is going to be the one to build it. So this is the end of First Chronicles. And we know that even before David, King David passes away and King Solomon becomes the king. David begins to collect everything that's going to be needed. And he gives away so much of his own personal stuff to build the temple, right? And then Solomon becomes king. And we know that Solomon, it says in, in 2 Chronicles 1 that uh, he sacrificed on the bronze altar in the Lord's presence a thousand burnt offerings. Okay, this is 2 Chronicles 1. And just after he offered a thousand, I mean, come on, talking about generosity. This was extravagant worship. Solomon worshipped God extravagantly. And the very next night, he has an encounter with God in a dream. And God says, Solomon, ask me for whatever you want. And I'll give it to you. What does Solomon ask for? Yeah, we, we normally say wisdom. And literally it says, give me a listening ear, okay? Give me an ear that can hear, an ear that can receive wisdom so that I can be a good king and I can govern your people, right? And so God tells him, yep, you didn't ask for riches and fame and the death of your enemies. You asked for wisdom. I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you all that stuff too, right? And I love how, how God responds to extravagant worship. And so Solomon begins to make the preparations for the temple. He gets, you know, rallies the troops, if you want to say that, the, the, the people that were going to build it, right? He gathers all the stuff that's going to be needed for building the temple as well as the offerings, okay? And then in chapter 3, 2 Chronicles 3, they begin to build the temple. Does anybody remember where? On Mount... Moriah, right? Mount Moriah. Does anybody, does that sound familiar? What happened at Mount Moriah? Many people believe this is where Abraham sacrificed Isaac, but what had just happened? Anybody remember, do you recall the threshing floor of Arona? No. <laughs> well, David kind of messed up again. During the ending years of his, of his reign, and he decided to take a census, and it was more about pride. It was more, let me see how many troops I got. Let me see how awesome I am, right? And God's like, I didn't tell you to do that. Now you're in trouble. And so, you know, there's, there's a terrible plague. You know, there's judgment that comes on Israel. And um, David goes to uh, 
this place, the threshing floor of Arona, and that's where David offers the sacrifice to make peace with God, and God stops his judgment, right? So, I mean, again, that's another big deal, but um, real worship happens when there's a revelation of God's mercy. Mount, Mount Moriah was the place of God's mercy. God had had mercy on David and Israel and had stopped his judgment. And, you know, I don't know about you, but there's things I praise the Lord for, but I will forever worship him because of the mercy he's had on me. Real worship happens when you have a revelation of God's mercy. And so this is where it was chosen to build the temple of Solomon, right? And so, again, you know, the, the furnishings are amazing, gold and bronze and I believe it says that silver was so abundant in Solomon's day that it was just like nothing, right? And so they, they, he, they make the preparations to build the, king, uh, the, the temple, and then it happens. He builds the temple, right? And this is 2 Chronicles, uh, the end of 2 Chronicles 5. It says a thick cloud filled the temple. The priests couldn't even continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. So God came right to his temple the connection between heaven and earth and he manifests his very presence there now again that's a lot so i'm just going to give you a little snippet of the scriptures and we're going to break it down let's go to second chronicles we're going to read out of chapter six and seven so Chapter 6, it's almost like Solomon is wondering. He's wondering, will God be happy with this temple we've built him, right? So he's praying about it. He's making this declaration. And he says, but will God really live on earth among people? Will heaven and earth really be connected? Will God, will God enter into our realm, right? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. I mean, Solomon knew who God was, right? Nothing can contain God's presence. How much less this temple I have built. Nevertheless, listen to my prayer and my plea, O Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is making to you. May you watch over this temple day and night, this place where you have said you'd put your name. May you always hear the prayers I make towards this place. You see the connection he's making? I want you to hear when I talk here. Uh-huh. I want you to hear us when we talk to you here. May your, you hear the humble and earnest requests from me and your people Israel when we pray towards this place. Yes, hear us from heaven where you live. What's heaven? Where God lives. Is that one place far away somewhere you're going to go when you die? Where does he live? You're breathing it in right now. He lives everywhere, right? I I don't know about you, but that just changes the way I pray. When I pray, I'm not asking, I'm not talking to a God who's far away in heaven, but a God who lives in the heavens all around me, always, everywhere, all the time. He's as close as the air you breathe. Hear from heaven where you live And when you hear, forgive. In other words, act, right? Do something here where we live from where you live. So this is literally sort of a picture of God's realm and our realm connected. Hear us and forgive. Hear us from where you live and forgive us right here where we live, right? So God hears Solomon. You want to see what God tells Solomon? Okay, who wants to see God's answer? Let's go to chapter 7. So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. And he completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then... One night the Lord appeared to Solomon, this is another time the Lord appeared to him, and said, I have heard your prayer 
and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among, among you. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn for their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. From where? From heaven. And will forgive their sins and restore their land, earth. I'll hear from heaven I'll forgive and restore the earth. That's God's heart, by the way. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. And Solomon said, right? I bet he breathed a deep sigh. Of relief when God answered that way, He said, Okay, I choose this place as the connection between heaven and earth. God chose the temple, a place to receive worship, to hear prayer, but not only to receive worship and to hear prayer, but from there to respond and act. It was the place in that moment in history where God, who dwelt in the heavens, would bring his realm into their realm. Would bring his presence into the earth. Would bring his power and his answers and his forgiveness and his restoration from heaven into the earth. God chose the temple for that. And again, this is a foreshadowing of the reconnection that came, that would eventually come through Jesus Christ. We know that it is through Jesus Christ that the Father hears our prayers not far away, right? But in the very air that we breathe. It's through Christ, that connection of heaven and earth, that he hears us, and he doesn't just hear us, but he, he acts, right? Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation comes from his realm into our realm through Jesus, right? Jesus said, you can pray to the Father using my name. Jesus is the connection of heaven and earth, God's realm, into our realm. And we know that also the connection now is the church and eventually, the perfect reconnection, the new creation. So, what does this have to do with me? Not yet. Sorry, I confused you. Can I have ten more minutes? He was on it. He heard the special phrase, and he was ready to let those happy fingers go. All right. Unfortunately, the preacher is long-winded. So, but not much more. Can you, can you spare me ten more minutes? I haven't even gotten to the main point for you yet. Maybe you're asking, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with me? What does this mean for me right now? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. So if you give me about 10 more minutes, don't, don't, don't put a timer on. I have mine, okay. Give me about 10 more minutes. I want you, us to take a look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. And he's asking, don't you realize? Because we tend to forget. <laughs> and many don't realize. We'll come back to that. First Peter 2.5 says, and you are, come on, tap somebody and say you. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more? You are his holy priest. Another big concept, but in other words, now we're the ones who give him real worship, right? Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. All right. Are we ready? Come on, say important. Together. Connected. 
The first one is important. All right. Turn to your left and say, don't you realize? Or turn to your right and say, you're important. <laughs> you is kind. You, yes. Unfortunately, many people don't realize how important they are. He says we are living stones. In other words, come on, tell somebody you're a brick. <laughs> and listen, when you're listen, when you're building a house, every brick matters. If one is missing, something's missing. You're important. Maybe you hadn't realized that, but you are important. You, listen, you have a purpose and a part to play in God's dwelling in the earth. We just read, don't you realize he's making you into his spiritual temple in the earth? You're important. Come on, I'm not trying to be a motivational speaker this morning, but it, 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 anyway, just say, I'm important. You're important. Every single stone, every single brick matters. You have a purpose. You have a part to play. What an incredible privilege to be chosen by God, to be one of the living stones, to be one of the bricks. He's chosen to build his house, to build his dwelling on earth. I mean, Way, way more important than Spider-Man. I know with great power comes great responsibility, right? But what an even greater privilege and power we have. And what a great responsibility we have to understand, to realize. Don't we realize? Pastor Liz prayed it. We're the hope. Christ in us is the hope of God's glory in the earth. We're the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We are the connect. You are an individual connection between heaven and earth. But, my friends, if we don't understand number two, we will never be who we're really supposed to be. Number two is connect uh, together. Together. You're important. But if we could go back, media team, you're amazing. If we could go back to 1 Corinthians 3.16 one more time. I want us to read it. It says, don't you realize that all of you together, not each of you by yourself, all of you together are, not you are, you is, no, 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 you together all of you together are the temple of God. I hate to break it to you. But alone, you are not the church. The church is the gathering of those who have been called out by God to be his people. You're important because you're a living stone. But all by yourself, you're just a brick. A very amazing, wonderful, valuable, precious, important, special brick. And some are more special than others. I, I, I don't mean really more valuable, but, uh, but we do got some special ones, don't we? Why are y'all pointing at Matt? All right. But all by yourself, you're not the church. I am not the church. We are all together the church, his temple, his dwelling, connected. We are the church. Ephesians 4.16 says he makes the whole body fit 
I should probably start that one over. He makes the whole body fit together. Perfectly. I don't know about the, I love Jesus, but I don't know about the church. You know, I trust him. I trust Jesus. Some of the bricks need a little bit of polishing. I know I do sometimes. How about you? But I trust Jesus to put his body together. It's not my job to decide what he's doing. And it's very important that if I have an issue with togetherness, I go by a ladder and get over it. Because, because together, he makes his body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. You have a part to play. You're important. But as each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love, right? Hebrews 10.25 says, don't let us neglect our meeting together. Well, I'll, just, I'll just have church all by myself at home on my couch with my cat. No. <laughs> That's not church. I'm sorry, that's not church. Church is when we come together. What did Jesus promise when we gather together in his name? Who would be in our midst? Jesus, the connection between heaven and earth. Together. You have an individual purpose and part to play in God's dwelling on earth, but we can only reach our full potential together. Take a deep breath. Turn to somebody and say, I need you. Well, turn back, to, to turn, turn and look at him again one more time. Tell, tell him, tell him, hey, 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 you need me. <laughs> it's easy to say the second one, right? You need me. <laughs> All right, my 10 minutes are up. Let me give you number three really, really fast. Connected. It's, it's pretty self-explanatory. Heaven and earth are connected. Through Christ, and now we are his body. We just read it. The literal, visible, tangible presence of that connection in the earth. We are his temple. We are his dwelling place. We're his house. We are the place where he manifests his presence in the earth. The church connects heaven and earth. <laughs> the church connects heaven and earth. Not the church building, but in our gathering because his spirit lives in each of us and when we gather together, Jesus himself is among us. The church connects heaven and earth. Listen, and, and you are, because we are his temple, but understanding also that the Spirit lives individually inside of each of us as well, in the world where people are disconnected from God, you're a connection for them because he lives in you. Again, we prayed it. 
hope of glory is Christ in you. The Spirit of God is in you. You are a connector of heaven and earth for those who are disconnected. Do you remember when you were disconnected? Somebody connected you. Maybe they prayed for you until you found Jesus. Maybe they told you about, I don't know. Maybe they were a testimony in your life and you saw Jesus and you reconnected with God because of Jesus in that person's life. But you are that. What a privilege. What a responsibility. That together we're his temple, we're his his dwelling, but also as individuals, as his disciples, we are connectors of heaven into earth. That's why Jesus told his disciples, remember what he said to pray? Father in heaven, your kingdom come on earth and your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. How is that? How does heaven come into the earth? How does the kingdom of heaven and the will of God in heaven Come into the earth through us. Reconnected with him in our hearts through Jesus Christ. Through having the Holy Spirit live on the inside of us. And then as we live our lives to obey him and do his will in the earth as in heaven and earth. Connected God's realm into our realm. Your kingdom come comes through us I would like to ask for the next two minutes if we could avoid getting up and down going in and out as this could be a really serious and important moment for somebody in fact I'd invite you if you'd like to just bow your head close your eyes just for a moment the most important connection today the most important question I'll I'll say before we do anything else is are you connected. Listen, you are important. You have a purpose and part to play in God's dwelling in the earth. We can only reach our full potential together. The church connects heaven and earth. It's our privilege and responsibility. But first, are you personally reconnected to heaven? Are you connected to the Father? Jesus Christ is the way, the only way to the Father. He's the only way back to God. He said you must be born again. And he said what that, what that really means is you must be born of the Spirit. In other words, reconnected. Reconnected with heaven. Have you been born again today? If you're not born again, today you have the privilege, you have the opportunity to turn away from sin and to turn your heart over to God, to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross and through the resurrection to reconnect you with God the Father. If you will call on the name of Jesus today, put your trust in him, he'll save you. The bridge has been crossed. The gap has been bridged. There's no longer a disconnect because of Jesus. Just very quickly, if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to him as your Lord, Today, I want to give you right now the opportunity to do that. And also, if maybe at one point you've done that, but you've gotten disconnected again. You've gotten far from God. Today, you want to come back. You want to come home to Him. If either of those things, if either of those situations is you right now, you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, or you want to... Make that decision fresh again to come back to him. If that's anybody, would you just pop your hand up real quick and wave at me and say, that's me, okay? Who else? See your hand. Anybody else? You could put it back down once you put it up. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Okay? Rather it's the first time or you want to come back. 
Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we stand? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. So making this decision today. Let me just say this real quick. This will become the most public decision you've ever made in your life. But it starts as a very private, individual decision. Each has to make in their own heart. No one can make it for you. How about all together? In support of those who are making this decision, let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, come on, if this is you, if this is for you, I want you to say it with all your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, right now, I decide to turn away from sin I'll let go of this world. turn my heart to you. I surrender my heart to you. I give my life to you. Jesus, you're the way to the Father. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for making the way back to God. Jesus, I receive you and declare you are the Lord of my life. I want to follow you the rest of my days. I choose to go your way. Jesus, save me. Set me free. I'm yours now. This one final thing. Let's pray. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. Amen. Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.